You're listening to the Arise Church Podcast. We are an Acts 29 church in Ventura, California, where we exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage culture. Find out more info or hear more sermons at our website, ariseventura.com. Thanks for listening. Well, for today, uh, this morning, I am actually... Uh, really encouraged to be sitting here with Jamie uh, as we talk about Psalm 13 and as we look at this psalm, which is a, a, a lament. Um, I know that this is probably something that is like shocking. Uh, it's not me standing in front of a podium, I'm not going to be quote unquote preaching today. I feel like um, what God did in my own heart through the time that I've been focusing on this was brought her witness and her testimony to bear on it. And I just feel like that's the most real thing that we could ever do is to have a moment to see how this is not just in the life of a psalmist some time ago, but this happens in the lives of all of God's people when uh, we walk with him through this fallen world. So I'm going to read for us Psalm chapter 13 and, um, and then we'll get some dialogue. This time is going to be much more dialogue. It'll be much more of a conversation and uh, much less teaching. But I do hope that you can follow with us, along with us, and even take some notes for yourself because we will be coming straight out of the scriptures. So Psalm chapter 13. Uh, to the choir master, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God, lift or light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Well, friends, this is David yet again lamenting. And we've talked about what lament is. We've talked about it being uh, a third of the Psalms, that there are these 150 songs that are put together, many of them written by David, and then over 50 of them being characterized by lament. I think it's important for our day and age and our culture to uh, think about lament and to even um, to strengthen our faith muscles in lament, which just means that we're keeping it real. And I think that in Psalm 13, we have a really honest lament of transition. What happens is this is a transition psalm where David starts in uh, despair. He starts in a place that he's just overcome by his trouble. And then he moves into a place of trusting and depending on the Lord. Um, I have some notes I want you to hear that, you know, when you think about a lot of the psalms, you'll find that these prayers flowed from desperately challenging situations. These songs come out of times that are too much for the human to handle, too much for a person. Nobody could stand up under the, 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 uh, the things that we come into as God's people most of the time. And this is why even you see people in the world oftentimes uh, may be severely depressed and or even 
uh, suicidal is because it just feels overwhelming. This is where we find the psalmist and this is where it's coming from. So I wanted Jamie, I'm telling you this, just uh, I'm talking more on the front end than I will throughout because I wanted Jamie to be able to be here to share a bit of her story. This is what this is about, a bit of time where she has walked through some things in life and felt that same way. Because at the end of the day, the Lord invites us into a real relationship with him where we can be transparent and vulnerable, just like we see the psalmist, just like we see David being. Um, and it calls us to remember that he won't leave us. So here are the two things we're going to look at. When you think about Psalm chapter 13, we're going to look at David's trouble and then we're going to look at David's trust. The psalm could be split into three sections. At first, it was going to be like David's trouble from verses 1 and 2, and then David's truth in verse 3 and 4, and then David's trust in verse 5 and 6. But I'm just going to take the trouble and match it in with the things that he knows and the things that he begs for and the things that he prays for so that we just have two points, all right? So, so think on that as we get to talking about this. The first thing David says in Psalm chapter 13 is how long, O Lord? And then he says, how long, right? Or he says, will you forget me forever? Last week, when we were talking a little bit and you were sharing with me and reminding me about a season in your life when you felt that way, I thought it'd be good for everybody to hear just uh, a time when you have felt that God is distant, that he's not there and that he's, uh, you know, that, that he's even forgotten you. So just for a quick moment, introduce us to maybe one or two times when you've, held, when you've had that experience. Um, the time that is in the forefront of my mind would be when I lost my dad. Yeah. Um, I was just talking to some family last week about this, just how in that season I was really angry with the Lord. And... Um, I was telling her, my niece, that it's okay to be angry with God and that it is actually right for us as believers to be honest with ourselves about it. Um, making a really long story short, it was uh, November, Thanksgiving, around that time that my dad became more sick with pneumonia. He had already had health complications for years, but... Um, that marks the time that led to his decline. Mm. So Thanksgiving, pneumonia, and then um, just different antibiotics and different things to try and heal that caused his blood sugar to rise and drop and rise and drop, and he ended up being hospitalized into December. And um, just remember specifically that um, we had received money from him. He wanted us to buy gifts for his grandkids and something for Steve and I and wrap it up really nice. And then we planned to go over and celebrate Christmas as a family on December 23rd. Um, he actually called uh, Saturday evening and just wanted to make sure everyone had something and that it was all nicely wrapped and he wanted us to bring them over so the kids could open them in front of him and know that they were from him. And then we stayed up really late cooking um, big platters of food to bring over and celebrate together. Mm. And um, we went to bed about 2 a.m. By 3.30, we got the call that he passed away. 
and um, it was very, very shocking. I had realized that he wasn't well, but he kind of battled with diabetes all the time that I was alive. So I just thought it would be normal. Whatever he was dealing with, he'd come out of it. And so to get the call that he passed away was very shock shocking and it was very like, there was no do-over. Mm. You know, I remember I even like hung up and called back and was like, okay, what happened? Because <laughs> mm. it was just so startling and I don't know, we didn't have context for that. So um, along with just wanting to be there to be a support to my mom and uh, there's just always a lot of conflict that I think comes about oftentimes with um, losing a loved one. There's a lot of conflict. A lot of it fell on me. We had six kids at the time. Our baby was six months. Jubilee was six months old and still nursing. and. Um, the younger ones right above the her. I just felt like God didn't give me the space that I needed to grieve. Mm. And I and I I mean I think even before that I felt like God had taken something that was so important to me. Someone so important to me. And then there wasn't the time available to grieve because, you know, you still gotta breastfeed and you still gotta make oatmeal first thing in the morning and you have to get groceries and you know like you just have to continue going and going with life and um so yeah i mean well you know in in that time i remember being together uh but for the first time really having to wrestle with this uh for better or worse and being a finite person who cannot take away the pain and can't even make the pain better. Um, and walking with you through that was some of the, um, it was it was some of the most enlightening time in my life where I got to see just how much God is, um, how, how like important God was to you in your life. Because one of the things that you described at that time was like feeling like I was distant. Yeah, totally. You know, so feeling like I was distant and and so then I'm I'm like realizing I can't feel that chasm. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't feel that hole. I can't feel that place where uh if we're honest, all of us walk with the Lord for any amount of time, we feel like God is distant at mm -hmm. a time or we may feel like God doesn't care, that he's not concerned uh and that he's just outside of reach. And that's why when you look at what David said in verse 1, he just says, "Will you forget me forever?" Uh, he felt forgotten. Whether or not he was forgotten, he felt like he was forgotten by God. And um, I remember you describing those. Um, I remember you describing like time like that, and even the the um, the way in which that was just a real uh, hardship. I think even in our marriage, until one day I just was like, "Hey, like, you have you talked to God honestly? Like, have you told him how you feel?" Well, I honestly would say, like, I, I felt the distance, but I think, like, I kind of put up the wall, too. Mm. Like, you're disappointed by God, right? Or people in general, but it's like you're disappointed, and then um, it can't get fixed. When you lose a loved one, it's not like a distant relationship that gets reconciled or, mm. I don't know, you lose a job and you get another. Not mm. that it's... 
wouldn't be a bad thing and probably devastating for some people who've lost jobs. But I'm just saying, like, there is no repairing that. And so, you know, coming to the realization that this is a decision that I believe God made, but I didn't really understand the heart of God at that time. And so in my mind, it was something that he allowed, and it was the most devastating thing for me. And so I put up a wall without realizing it because of the hurt that Mm -hmm. you put up the wall when you've been hurt because Mm -hmm. you don't want to be hurt again. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of like, you you distance yourself. And it's like, well, yeah, I can read the Bible. I can hear um, a sermon. I, I could hear a song, but I'm not motivated to respond because of the pain and the distance mm. that is created. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's, it was probably over a year yeah. of uh, depression that set in over time. Mm. Um, and just not really feeling like the, I didn't get the closure yeah. of, of knowing, like, I mean, even with my mom, losing my mom, it was only, it was only six weeks, but there was like a, an opportunity, a very short opportunity to get your mind ready. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally it was, there was no opportunity for closure. And so yeah. I, I felt like God it withheld something from me hmm. and, um, so yeah, yeah. Just I mean, when I think about Psalm 13 and the beginning of it, and how what David is really feeling is that same thing. When you talk about putting a wall up, I get this picture of uh, foster children, children who uh, whose parents maybe they have one parent in the home or who don't, or anybody who has been in any other way neglected. Yeah. That is usually the kind of defense that we all put up if we're honest. And, that we, and we see it mostly with these kids who have been abandoned. They feel like, I should have a father. I should have protection. I should have uh, somebody who loves me and cares for me yeah. and nourishes me. And they don't. And, and then what happens is you may foster them or you may even adopt them. And it's just like the emotional turmoil that they have oftentimes is a reaction, a di- direct reaction to trauma they've had in the past. And, and it's like, I don't want to ever experience that anymore. I think that's just a very real life example and picture of what it's like to go through and have an experience life in a fallen world and then have God to not seemingly like deliver you from it totally you know for a child of God you don't feel like you should have to go through a plague and maybe even get sick you don't you don't feel like you should have financial issues you don't feel like you should yeah. have injustices or whatever, all the things that come against us that pinch us and that make us feel like, God, like, where are you at? How yeah. long? Uh, you know, are you going to yeah. forget me and forget me forever? You don't feel like that should be a part of the story, but it is. And even when he said, um, how long will you hide your face from me? Yeah. It's like you feel like God doesn't, like he doesn't hear your heart and in your pain. Mm-hmm. And so you feel like he, like even with me putting up that wall and deciding to be distant, like I didn't feel like he was coming after me. Mm. Like I didn't feel, I, 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 like if I was trying to pray and I wasn't, you know, sometimes you hear people say like, I don't hear anything. Mm. I don't get anything. Or yeah. like I open the Bible, but I, I can't get anything from it. Mm. It's like, I can relate to him saying, like, how long will you hide your face from me? Because yeah. it's like, 
how long will this be this way? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, that's, that's very important to, um, to be honest about because I think that that's even one of the places where it may not have been true that God had hidden his face from him. Mm -hmm. But it was true for David because he felt like it. Totally. And one of the breakdowns, I think, in the church uh, has, has historically been and definitely like in the time that and counseling and just experience personally, as well as with other people that I've ob observed is people's lack of realness um, and, and being in touch and in tune with their feelings. Because we've either been told that you're not supposed to feel, you just have to believe this truth and you just have to know these things and don't question God. Don't ever get mad at him. You can't get angry at God. Yeah. Um, and it's like, no, God gave us feelings primarily because we're created in the image and likeness of God. Right. So we can feel anger and we can feel loneliness and we can feel the kind of neglect and things like that. And even though we are sinful people and so we don't feel them perfectly, they remind us. Yeah. You know, or just yeah. the fact that we're people, we're human beings. Right. And that's a part of being real. I think it was just interesting. I wrote down that even though, um, you know, this was extreme for David, this is a this is the kind of viewpoint or the balance in life that we got to have when it comes to feelings that we do want to remember who God is. And David does in this in this uh, psalm and he does kind of come out of that. But like he doesn't have a problem just saying, like, I feel like you're not even there. Like, and how long are you going to hide your, your face from me? I mean, again, maybe not true, but it was true for him at the moment. Right. And that's the kind of realness that we have to have. And that's why I told you when I said, you realize you can just go to God and you can talk to him, right? Yeah, but you know, at the time, like if you're wrestling, you're trying to figure out your theology and what you know about God versus how you're feeling, it's like there's a conflict mm -hmm. and you, without understanding that you feel like there's a conflict and so it's like I I can't curse God from my mouth I can't say that he doesn't love me but I don't feel loved by him mm. you know and you know I can't say that he's forgotten me because his word says he'll never forget me but I feel mm. forgotten by him yeah you know um, he says he'll cover me but I don't feel covered mm. like and so like the wrestle of wanting to like praise God while you're in pain um, but not being true to how you feel. Yeah. So when you told me like, hey, you know, you can be honest with God about how you feel. I was like, wow, <laughs> can I? Because I don't want to get struck down by God or I don't want to <laughs> like, or maybe that's extreme, but you know, like I don't want to yeah. like speak praises and then like not honor him and bless him. Yeah. You know? And so, but when I did, when I went before the Lord and just, I don't feel loved by you. I, I don't feel covered by you. Mm. I, I don't, I don't see your love for me. I, I see your sovereignty has led this, mm. like your sovereignty and your, your being in control of all things. And this is the outcome of my life. And this is not what I would choose for my life. Yeah. This is not what I would want for me. But I found that as soon as I did, and I usually just journal when it's like all in my head and in my heart, I just journal. So I write it all down. Lord, I feel like this. I feel like that. I feel like you've been unfair to me. You mm. didn't give me the chance to grieve. You didn't. You didn't cover me with the family drama. Like I, I feel out alone, and I feel like I'm. I've lost 
everything and I, and I was describing to people at the time like friends and family like I felt like my my world was literally shaken up and then thrown out like mm. how do you make sense of this you know and it really felt that way but when I was able to be honest with the Lord I I did feel a burden lifted mm. because I I already knew this but it was not my reality that Jesus wept mm. with those who were grieving mm -hmm. and so like you know, Mary and Martha, they're hurt because Jesus took too long to come and their brother Lazarus dies. And when he finally responds, they're like, he's already in the, the grave. He's already been in the grave for this amount of time. And Jesus knew that he was going to raise him from the dead. He knew that they would have new memories and new meals together. And like they would have so much more post-grave, like in this life. Mm -hmm. And yet he stopped and wept with them. Mm -hmm. And it just, it just yeah. reminded me of his humanity mm. at that time, but then even like his care for the brokenhearted because, sure. you know, I think like in my mind and when I like talk to others, sometimes they're wrestling, they're thinking like God is detached from us and that he just wants worship and he just wants obedience, but he doesn't care about our experiences and our needs here mm. and so that was just like an opportunity to be reminded like man like and i just remember like how groundbreaking it was to say to myself like god would weep with you right now mm. like you're sad and you're grieving and you're weeping and he would yeah like he would he would sit there knowing the eternity like mm. i mean knowing the end story knowing that your dad was walking with Jesus and that he is rejoicing with him, the fact that you will one day be reunited with them, the fact of all the promises that come to the believer, and still he would right there in your space yeah. weep with you. Man. Man. That's, that's good. When I um, heard you telling this story yeah. and just remind, it was reminded of like, the fact that we experienced that, um, one thing I remembered is that you kind of like got to this spot of an ultimatum, yeah. you know? So mm -hmm. even when you just say right now, you, you wrote down these things and you, 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 there's one thing about like starting where David started, where he just says, you hiding your face from me. Like I'm, I'm in anguish in my soul. I've got sorrow all day. My enemies are exalted over me. You know, that like, how long is that going to be? That's yeah. one thing about doing that. And then there's another thing about the second part of what I'll just call his trouble and where he prays, where he basically says in verse number three, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. It reminded me so much of literally what you had said during that time. Yeah, because you know? I was just ready to be done. Which, well, I mean. Like what, I, I, <clears throat> I wasn't suicidal, but I, I was like, ready for my life to end and yeah. I was praying like Lord you'll send you'll send a better mom for the kids and you'll send a good wife for him mm. and I was just like I really just didn't want to wake the next day and mm. the next day I, I mean it was a period of time where just the trauma of waking every night 3 45 4 a.m to that call and so like every night, 4 a.m., waking up, and as soon as my eyes open, I hear the voice saying, my dad's gone. So like after, you know, um, six to 12 months of that, you're like, I don't really, 
I, I, can't, I don't have anything good to offer to my family. I'm always sad. I'm always depressed. My patience is low. Like, I don't even want to wake up every day. Mm. And I, I got to the point where probably maybe about, I don't know, maybe like 14, 15 months after my dad had passed, I got to the point where I was just like, Lord, if you don't rescue me, I give up. And I was just like, I'm not taking phone calls. I'm not going anywhere. Um, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to waste away. And I'm just like, if you, I remember a sweet friend of mine too, dear sister, she came over. I was like doing laundry and she's like, are you eating? <laughs> I'm already thin. She's like, are you eating? Mm -hmm. And I just, I was just like, Lord, if you don't rescue me, and then I give up. Man. And isn't that what he said? Yeah. He's like enlightened my eyes, meaning you need to help me to understand this. You need to bring life to this situation or else I'm dead. I, I'd be better off dead. Yeah. Uh, I want, I'd rather die. Right? Yeah. And a lot of us will, like, if we're honest, we haven't really wrestled with the fact that we can be that honest with God. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of times we do walk around and we're afraid to even admit those things to other believers. And that's why I said, like, I, I feel like I could walk through this. I could teach through this. We can come up with great points and illustrations and everything else like we do, you know, in preparing sermon. Uh, but I think the most powerful thing in this moment is the fact that you've been, um, you've walked through it experience, experientially. And you're able to share from a place of uh, just a realness, not just like, um, uh, you know, from studying it to know it up here. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, mm -hmm. or were we going to say something else? Well, about I was going to say, um, the Lord met me. Hmm. Like, timeline I'm like, and, and I'm I can't say people can just give a timeline for God but in mm. my mind I'm like this is the month mm. if you know like I give up after this month <laughs> mm. and he met me like he literally met me in his word mm. um, and he reminded me of um, just this greater being that is the creator of everything mm. That, that literally established it all by his word mm -hmm. and controls it and runs it all perfectly today. Yeah. Every like power, every authority, every everything is all in subjection to him. Mm. And yet he loves Jamie. And I'm like, but you don't love me, but I do love you. And he just, his mercy was just, it rescued me mm. from that place that was just so dark and so mm. like alone and lonely and and you know and it was just like he just literally his words spoke life to my heart and refreshed me and mm. brought me out of the pit <laughs> literally brought me out of the pit and then he just gradually showed me beautiful things of his healing and his working power like I remember. Like, I forgot to thank my dad for the egg sandwiches in the morning on the way to school. And, and carpool. I, I mean, the Yeah, <laughs> driving one way 60 <laughs> miles to get me to school every day because <laughs> that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> and he reminded me, 
like everything that you didn't ask your dad for or thank him for. Like you can thank me because I like he was a gift for me. Like I am your heavenly father and your dad was just a gift and expression for me. Mm. And so whatever you feel like you need to thank him for, mm -hmm. don't feel like you've missed out on that. Like, praise me for those things. Yeah. And truthfully, it was okay. literally a, a little panic attack. Like, I just woke up in the same night, same every night drama of the sure. emotional, you know, trauma, literally. And it's like, oh, I forgot to thank him for this. And I forgot yeah. to thank him for that. And I just, I must have not been a good daughter to him mm. because I didn't appreciate him in this way and appreciate you know it's like all this guilt starts coming on because you're just grieving and you don't know what to do with the feelings yeah well and the lord just told me like thank me hmm. praise me and then it, when the things would come to mind and i would praise him i would feel just relieved because it's like wow like that space that was restricted because of the, the communication had ended abruptly, was now back open because God is the source of all things. And he was just the source of even the good. So, I mean, that's, that's really where David goes, right? He's desperate. And I mean, he even when he prays, he's in this place where he's just crazy dependent. I'm, I'm going to die if you don't help me. Um, and even my enemy, he said, at least my enemy prevails. Um, and, and says, I have prevailed over him, or at least my foes rejoice because I'm shaken. Um, there's a, a lot of, a lot to say about the fact that David goes from a place of um, feeling like I'm forsaken and forgotten, you don't care about me, to uh, I'll die if you don't answer me. Um, and even even my enemies would, would mock me, basically, is what he's saying. Um, there's something to be said about the fact that like he starts there, but then he ends so uh, with so much conviction, right? Yeah. The Verse 5 says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. Mm -hmm. And it's like the I is more emphatic than the your. So even though he knows a lot about, like, God's steadfast love, and he loves that. And you even called it mercy, which is what the, that's what Hesed is. It's mercy, it's loving kindness, it's covenant faithfulness, it's God's steadfast love. He literally says, but I, like he just makes a declaration, like I yeah. have trusted. And he talks about it in the past tense. Not just like I trust you right now, but you mm. know what? I've already trusted you, and so I can't continue to trust you, mm. right? Um, and I just remember what those moments were like when you uh, started praising him and thanking yeah. him. And you were even telling me, like, God showed me I can be thankful to him for everything I didn't get to thank my father for. I don't have anything to be regretting. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, yeah, it was just a, a moment where I really felt in that time that God had answered a longstanding prayer. That was a hard time for me to be doing ministry, for me to be going to school, for me to be working full time, for me to be like enjoying friends and celebrating children's birthdays and everything else. Because we had this long period where really, if if you had it your way, you would have been walking around in sackcloth and ashes or not walking around, right? We would have just been yeah. in one place. And like you said, you would have loved to just starve to death. And like yeah. to not have to go through this again. Yeah. Now, most of the folks, uh, you know, have been walking with us since 
March last year when your mom passed away. Yeah. And that's another place that is a is another blow, right? It's another yeah, devastating place. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and I know that you've had similar like emotions or whatnot, but I will just say that I've observed that you dealt with it differently this time. Yeah. And in dealing with it differently, it's not that you have become some in some way like callous or even like stronger in and of yourself, but I think that God really taught and prepared you for um, the tests and, and the trial that has recently come about. So yeah. well, I don't know if you have a thought about I that. I do have a thought. Yeah. Um, I will say the reason I left is just because um, sometimes this stuff just seems like unbelievable. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. like, it's so terrible <laughs> that mm. I laugh because it's like, you know, I'm thinking about how by the time, you know, her service was completed and like, she was buried with my dad, and we were sitting around like, okay, so mom is sick. Because <laughs> it was just like the timeline was so like short and, yeah. and weird, and yeah. it was like we were having terrible storms mm -hmm. in Ventura, and probably all of like Southern California was having like really bad weather. So I'm pulling my kids out of school. Mm. We're in the car two and a half, three hours, going one way, you know, um, I got my kids, even at that time, my babies, right under one. She's mm. probably, probably about nine months. They're all in the garage for two hours because it needs to be quiet in the home with my mom. Yeah. And then I gather them up after a two-hour visit and go back home, which is a three-hour drive with the traffic that we mm -hmm. were facing with the, ra the rain and all. Two or three times a week. Yeah. And I think the week that we didn't visit was the week we all got pneumonia. Yeah. Ear infections, <laughs> just all kind of stuff was wrong. I literally broke down crying to the doctor, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, and then that week we didn't visit because she wasn't well, and that was a week the Lord took her. Yeah. So it's like, it just, it's like this is so far-fetched of a story to yeah. be reality. Sometimes you know? it just, it feels like, it's oh, just like, this is we're writing a dark fairy tale, <laughs> not fairy tale, right? A dark tale or something. Yeah, it's just know? the seasons yeah. are so compact and yeah. hard. But I will say, so much I was grief. thinking about what you, you were talking about. And I was thinking about like, like my encouragement, like to the hearer, mm -hmm. as well as to my own heart. Um, especially during seasons of like trials and pain would be like like develop a theology about the Lord that is true hmm. like a theology an understanding of God that is biblical and is true to his character hmm. because we all develop a theology about God it's just is it accurate right right because my my conclusion of God was that he was distant he didn't really care about what was going on with me. Like, I don't need to really, like, honor God or I don't mm -hmm. really need to praise God right now. I don't have to, like, do any of that because he doesn't care about where I am anyway. Yeah. That's a theology. It's someone's thinking yeah. and their conclusion of what, who God is. Yeah. So the difference between my dad and then even my mom, it was so interesting that... <laughs> so I didn't want my mom to be sick a minute longer than she was. Like, I was already ready. I'm like, Lord, if, if she doesn't get healed right away, take her. Because within six weeks, like, we couldn't imagine seeing her that way. She was mm. just our sweet little, 
rose of a person mm. that we just wanted to like cover mm. her in every possible way. So the moment she sat down and wasn't well, we were like, okay, Lord, you're gonna have to heal her or take her because we just couldn't process her yeah. being sick for so long. Um, and so once the Lord took her, he took her the week of us with all of our pneumonia and all of our illnesses and the things that were going on in our house. And my first response was gratitude. Like it was like the first thought was like relieved. Mm. And then we all got in the car, we went down and um, I saw her and like as shocking and jarring as it was, I felt relief. Yeah. Because she worshiped the Lord every day. She sent me these Marco Polos singing to the Lord. Our last text messages to us were encouragement of standing firm, trusting the Lord. Like <laughs> she had these like prophetic uh, text messages. And mm. so like my first my first thought and, and emotional response was relief because I was relieved that she was with Jesus and that she was she was fighting yeah. all the way to the end for the kingdom, you yeah. know. But then, like, shortly afterwards, the reality set in, and I'm like, okay, we're planning the funeral. And this time it's, you know, literally, like, my parents were equally the love of my life. So it's like, okay, God, here we go again. Mm. <laughs> What do you mean by this? This wall. It's like you just feel <laughs> like, okay, God, I trusted you with this one. Here's my mom, 20 years younger than my dad, and literally she lives seven years longer. And we're like, what? Hmm. And, but, <laughs> but because of my understanding, of, because of the theology that I had developed in that previous season about who God is and his care and love for me and the fact that this world is ridden with sin, every mm. broken relationship, every insecurity, mm. every death, every, mm. all of it, you go mm. down the list, every um, mm. virus and every thing, mm -hmm. everything that is not of beauty mm -hmm. is because of sin yeah and so because of that understanding of god that i had established i mean it didn't make it easier right but i wasn't i wasn't willing to sit down and like reject god like i but wrestled. you know you had been and that okay so part of this is like what I'm what I'm sensing is like you keep on going over into the good the good and, and the 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 fact that you know David rejoices and he sings and he remembers okay. and he trusts and whatever and it's like I, I totally agree with that but you know what one thing I just thought about is when we were having miscarriages oh, uh, yeah. so <laughs> regularly and so now let's get back to like even the beginning because the thing is is like there is a there was a moment where We'll put it like this. In 2012, that wasn't the first time I saw you get angry at God. Okay. A couple years before, you know, in yeah. the fall of 2009, I remember you told me you were pissed at God. And you were angry and you wouldn't change. Oh, that. I've had plenty of those. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I think that all I'm saying right now is I've seen a, prog a progression of a walk with mm -hmm. him 
that is characterized by a lot of suffering, just like David. It's like Saul's after me, Absalom is after me. In the middle of all that, I'm, uh, I, I, I fall into uh, gross immoral sin and have a man killed. And it's like all these things that are happening where David has a life that is of progress and you see him deal with it differently as he matures. And I've watched that in your life because in 2009, going into 2010, you were absolutely angry with God. And I believe that God just showed you your heart at that time and you didn't deal with it well. What ended up happening is he said yes. Does that make sense to you? Maybe. What do so you mean? What, what, Remind what you me what was happening. About? I mean, now that you're referencing like miscarriages and things yeah. like that, I'm thinking have to... about Zion. Yeah. Well, that was 05. Yeah, I'm, I'm tripping. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So I'm like, okay. I'm picturing because... us in San Bernardino yeah. and I'm talking about. I mean, yes. Sorry. I mean, 05. absolutely. It's actually the end of 2004. It was 04. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. Just bring that to bear. What was happening at that moment? You know, absolutely. Okay. So, yeah, like we had uh, by that time, 04, had, had three miscarriages between mm -hmm. Brooklyn and Zion. And um, after like hormone, chromosome tests, and all these different tests, you, they ruled that we wouldn't be able to carry a baby yeah. past six weeks, six to nine weeks is when we were miscarrying pretty much every time. And I remember grabbing you by the hand in the church we were in. We went up and we prayed because we had just heard about Hannah and her, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, she just like pestered the Lord over mm -hmm. and over. She just kept bugging him and asking and asking like well I can do that and I can mm -hmm. ask the Lord so I grab you by the hand we go up and say and you didn't even know we were praying for another baby I sure didn't I didn't know that, that I didn't know that's what it was about <laughs> but we were praying for another baby <laughs> right 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 grab you by the hand ask the Lord you know for healing hmm. and a couple more experiences similar to that just asking the Lord for healing over my womb asking for life in our womb and then we got pregnant with Zion but at that time we were miscarrying they said we looked at ultrasounds and it was like detaching placenta and they were like just go home and wait and then we'll try again in a six months yeah and so you're like, well, Lord, you led me to, but you don't really know what God led you or if it was just your heart's desire, right? And you're just kind of like, I went up, I prayed, and we trust you. We said we would surrender everything to you, and here we are anticipating another miscarriage. And so, you know, if I honestly, that's why when you said 2009, I'm like, okay, which kid was that? That's because the truth is, it's like right. over the next you know, so many years, we had three more miscarriages. Right. And so there were times where it's like, okay, the Lord has made it clear, like we need to just trust him with mm. um, bearing children and, mm. and our bodies and this area that was just mm. off limits for him because everyone has an area of their life that's off limits. Yeah. 
That's why when people know? ask, like, did you guys always plan to have a big family? I'm always like, man, we, we always had a lot of plans. <laughs> you know? And it, was, it wasn't until we just surrendered and said God is going to Yeah, work. because we, we didn't want any kids. I was like, I'll never marry a pastor. Yeah. I'll never, I'll never yeah. have any children. Yeah. 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 And I would never, like, homeschool yeah. my kids. So just, okay, so just, <laughs> just to stay on track. And the only reason why I brought that up okay. was I'm not trying to drive it home. Yeah. Or I, mean, I am, but I'm, I'm not trying to, like... Uh, be be like yeah. more and more dark and like more despair for no reason. It's just the the attitude that David has is one that is 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 feeling this and he's troubled by it. But we have one song here that is six verses. This is at a point in his life where he has learned how to trust God, which is the reason why I'm having you talk about it now because I've seen that you've learned how to trust God. But it just gives this picture of the progress. The first time when you got angry, the, the way the Zion situation ends is that you got angry, said you were upset, and you were mad because like you felt like God had told you you were going to have him. And they said, no, just go home and wait. We went home and waited, and then what? He was born. Well, before that, seven months, we, we like, man, we seven months. We're going to have this child. And then friends um, of ours. Yeah, one of our really close friends, they lost a baby. At seven months. At seven months. And he just... Keep and your reminder is like, like, okay, yeah. well, we made it past the three-month mark, yep. and now we're at the seven-month, yeah. and we're fearful yeah. of that. And, you know, it's truthfully, it's like, it's always, like, sin is always, like, mm. how do you say it? Like, encroaching. Yeah. Like, Sin's crouching at your door. Yeah, it's right? like always. Yeah. And when I say sin, like, there's always mm. a disappointment, disappointment looking over the fence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No matter what the beautiful yard yeah. of your home is like, and no matter how hard you work to get it like that, like yeah. sin is always looking over the fence. And mm. what that means is like, and it's not to create fear in the heart, but it's just to know that like we're not going to have like, mm. we're not going to have the utopic what we want, you know. And that's what the Lord actually shared with me in my heart with my mom, because it's like I wrestled again. I'm like, Lord, you know, <laughs> how? And then from there, I, I, I kept going back and forth between praise and trust and the pain and grief and disappointment, mm-hmm. you know, just the back and forth. Mm-hmm. I was just going back and forth. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just going to raise my hands and sing. I mean, I did. I raised my hands and sang. Mm-hmm. And then a week later, I was just like, Lord, I'm going to get in the pit. Mm-hmm. You know, it was so hard. And literally, you know. And this is where you, you want me to sit there, but God keeps bringing me out. It's good. So. It's good. What we're doing is a real life example. So this of, is the truth. But it's like I. If I <laughs> so the, the truth is like over and over and over, like there's, and, and this is, as long as we live, it's going to be like that. Yeah. You know, um, there's going to be the highs and lows and the disappointments and the devastations mm-hmm. and the life mm-hmm. jarring and the life altering mm-hmm. experiences mm-hmm. and what I was starting to say is like when you develop a theology about who God is, yeah. then you have to just apply the truth regardless of how it feels. That's good. Because you, you, like you're going to feel like you're lying to yourself mm. because it's not what your heart wants to believe. Mm. But since it's the truth about God, he is going to move your heart to believe it. Yes. Right? Amen. And so literally Amen. the Lord just showed me like what we want, what we're holding on to is it's literally the vapor. Like you spray the can or, you know, and then it's like you can grab it because Mm. it's already vaporized in Mm. the air. And what we long for, whether it be like a beautiful marriage or healthy children or good life or, I don't know, like 
wonderful travel and trips, like all those things are really a vapor. And they feel like right now that this is it until you've accomplished it and then you want something greater. Mm. And what the Lord was just showing me, like even with the loss of my mom, that what I longed for was something that's not of this world. Mm. And my dad was 86 and I don't know, he, 96 would have still been too young for me. Yeah. You know, and at the end of the day, like what he's created innate desire in us to desire and have the beauty and the enjoyment that never ends, the climaxes that never end. And the truth is like they are given to us to create that desire for what is to come. So whether it be the beautiful relationship with the parents or the lack of mm -hmm. like the longing is the same. Yeah because he wants our affections and our desires to be turned towards him. Yeah. And so by establishing a theology about God, I was able to and have learned to sing towards the Lord in the face of mm. my trials. And sometimes it starts with sitting in the shower on a seat or with if you don't have a chair in the shower. And just letting the water pour over you and crying hmm. to the Lord, you know. But I have my worship music on and I'm crying to the Lord because what the worship music is saying about God is not how I feel about God. Hmm. And then over time, you just the Lord will move your heart towards worship because your theology about him says that he's true and that he's immutable and that he loves me and that he... Like, this is because of sin. This is not because of him. And the evidence is that he even wept mm -hmm. because of the sin of the world that took Lazarus's life. Yeah. Just death, right? And yeah. so, like, his word is just, like, tells me to turn my eyes towards him and see him as the author and the finisher of my faith. See him as the lover of my soul. See him as my savior who died for me and would not hold back his own life to bring me in fellowship with God and with other believers. Yeah. And so that theology, right? Mm -hmm. Like you hear it today and tomorrow yeah. and the day after, and it you still feel sad, yeah. but God's truth prevails. That's the theology that David held. Yeah. He said, but I've trusted in your steadfast love. Yeah. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully. Mm -hmm. So what he says is, um, is, is probably, you know, not the way he feels in that moment, but it's the theology that yeah. his take has been taken to heart. Yeah. So like he's turning on a dime and he's just saying, but I... And he turns and he talks about God's steadfast love, right? And it's like, that's not that's not our merit. That's God's mercy. So he's saying, you know what? I've trusted in the fact that I do have a God of Jacob, like we talked about last week. It's not because I am always put together, but it's because God is a, a he's his, he's steadfast in his love towards mm -hmm. me. His his loving kindness, um, his covenant faithful. 
And then he says, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. It's not just rejoicing in like that I'm going to get something. And that's why I talked about the pro the process of the progress. Like I think that Zion did come. And so mm -hmm. we have, and we still do hold to the fact that God miraculously said yes, when the doctor said no, and he gave us a son after mm -hmm. they said we could never have any more children. And so now to have six children, even behind him, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a reminder that God is like the still a miracle worker. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we just celebrate that. Mm -hmm. But in, in this moment, like what he's rejoicing over isn't just that God does the good and, and gives you some kind of like um, uh, something to rejoice in in life that gives you the yes. He, he rejoices in deliverance, yeah. mm -hmm. like full deliverance. Right. Yeah. He said, I rejoice in your salvation. Mm -hmm. This is this is being delivered from our enemy. You know, mm -hmm. he talks about his enemies here a, mo a, a bunch of times. He says it in verse number two. He says it again over in verse number four, kind of twice over. He says, my enemy be exalted over me, my enemy prevailing over me, my foes rejoicing over me. And you know who the final enemy is of the believer? The final enemy of every person, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 31, Paul said, death is our last enemy. Mm -hmm. And when God sent salvation to us in the Messiah, when he sent, the Lord Jesus Christ to the earth and he died, that put a death to death, mm. right? That's why the Bible says, oh, death, where is your sting? And so even when we lose loved ones and we wrestle with a person's life being taken away, whether that be something that happens in a very, very untimely manner, or like you said, at 86 years old, it's not natural and it wasn't supposed to be. And so God sent Jesus Christ to the earth to demolish that power over us because by believing in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. And even our separation from this earthly life only sends us into eternal life where death is no more. Amen. And so death is swallowed up in victory, right? So yeah. that word right yeah. there is is literally a re rejoicing your salvation. That's the that's Yeshua again, which means you know victory. It means uh, salvation and deliverance, right? And so he's 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 rejoicing in that. And, and again, they shall call his name Yeshua because he will save his people from his sins. And so I always tell people like, make sure you're rejoicing in the right things. Don't be like we were maybe at that time, kind of functionally believing a prosperity gospel, right? Where he's just going to give us health. He's going to give us wealth because we declare it. Mm -hmm. But more so, no, we can see that the ultimate good is what happens outside this life, not just mm -hmm. what's here, right? Amen. And then lastly, he says, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. It's so fitting to even think about, uh, you know, children or whatnot, because dealing bountifully and that, 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 um, wording there really is used multiple times in the Old Testament to talk about weaning a child. Hmm. When you wean a child, you give to them more than they would even ask for. And you, you hmm. give them a sort of completeness, right? When you think about the hmm. fact that you nurse a child and you nurse them to a certain point, they're thinking this is all that there is and they're so dependent on mom, but mom is like, you ain't even had 
whatever yet, right? Mm-hmm. You ain't had a sushi roll yet. <laughs> you, have, you ain't had that yet, right? <laughs> but when you wean the child and yeah. you bring them to that place, that's dealing bountifully with them. That's giving them even more than they could ask for. It's fulfilling desires that are like, or fulfilling desires, yes, but even going beyond desires. And that's, again, what the gospel tells us that God will do. And and, and it's um it's interesting. Let me get back to my notes. I took this away, but I did want to share Isaiah 49 and 14. Hear hear this. You have David asking, how long are you going to forget me? And he says, are you going to forget me forever? And then Isaiah chapter 49, verses 14 to 16, we hear Zion, the people of God say this. The Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me. And we hear an answer back from the Lord who says, can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Then he says, surely they may even forget, yet I will not forgive you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Mm -hmm. If that informs our theology, Mm -hmm. we realize that God cares for us and he's inscribed us on the palm of his hand. I remember writing girls' names on the palm of my hand. I like the Girls? Yeah, it was the elementary school thing. It was was before the junior (laughs) high and high school. But I'm just saying, like, whatever it was, right? You just write something on the palm of your hand, it's special to you, right? And you, you hated to see that the sweat will rub it out. I just have to believe that God's inscribing of our, our names on the palm of his hand doesn't have anything to do with it. It's, it. It never goes away, right? <laughs> Those names ain't there no more, baby. <laughs> anyway, that was, that, was, that was just a light joke, a light joke. We'll, we'll deal with that off camera, all right? Yes. But David sings about this. He sings to the Lord because he's dealt bountifully with him. And that's how God has dealt with us in Christ. And so even if we, uh, you know, experience all kinds of calamity, even though we are are outdone, we have like everything we need and more and a faithful God that we can rejoice in, even in our time of trouble or struggle. So I'm not going to make you sing for us, but you have a song. All right. Well, I figured you could sing (laughs) and then you could pray. Okay. Right? Yeah. Okay. I will call upon the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. So shall I be safe from my enemies. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, blessed be the rock of my salvation. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. I will call upon the Lord, for He is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. The Lord liveth, and 
be the rock and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Amen. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Spirit. Thank you, God, that we can be honest with you, that we can pour our hearts out and that we can be truthful and bear. You already know these things. And so once we come to the realization that we can be truthful and honest and bear with you, God, you work in us. I pray, Lord, just as I have shared and as Stephen has shared as well, God, that the listeners, whoever it is, that their hearts would be moved to a place where they can be totally transparent with you. That first they can confess their sins openly, Mm. the ones that they would never want anyone to know. Mm the ones that people would pull away from them, mm. the ones that even our, our own hearts are um, just embarrassed and shameful of, God. You already know your word says that even before a word comes to our lips, you already know the words. So God, I pray first that our hearts would be moved to a place of confession, that we would be able to lay our lives bare before you, God, and that you... And your loving kindness would cover Mm -hmm. them. And then after that, Lord God, that we would be able to just grieve before you, knowing, God, that even in the effects of this sinful world and the brokenness of man, God, you care. You care. Your... The narrative of your walk, Jesus, is that you wept with Mary and Martha, knowing that you would resurrect Lazarus, Mm. you still cared enough. And then all through narratives of the scripture, Lord, you covered those who were shameful. You covered the ones who were caught up in their sin, like you gave them a space to be totally open and true. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that as our hearts are weighed down for many different reasons, Mm. that we would be honest and bare before you, Lord, first, And then we would also develop a truth about you based on your word that is applicable to this time, whatever that time might be, God. And then at that space, we would sing praises to you. Sometimes the praises that we sing will not be in tune with what our heart feels, God, but Mm. we are trusting you that you will move our hearts to a place of worship and surrender, and we will be comforted by your love and your spirit through it. I just pray that this would be a word for your church. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. 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 Thank you.